Welcome to season two of Beyond Sport with Fiona Stewart. In this podcast, we chat with athletes, coaches, and industry professionals at all levels of sport about the benefits that being involved in sport has provided them outside of just the performance side of things. I'm your host, Fiona. I've always wanted to delve deeper into the physical, social, and mental benefits being involved in sport has provided people. This is a completely independent podcast that has been created to share the journey and lessons of top-level sporting professionals, but also your everyday lover of sport. If you like this podcast, I'd really appreciate if you could leave a review and share it with someone who you think would also enjoy it. Make sure you hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow on Spotify so you don't miss the release of each new episode. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Beyond Sport with Fiona Stewart. Let's get into today's episode. This week's guest is 2018 Commonwealth Games gold medalist Steele Van Hoff. Steele takes us on his early sporting journey and how he became a professional cyclist with some incredible career highlights. Representing his country multiple times as well as winning a world stage tour at the Tour Down Under in 2015. But one thing that stands out for me is the amount of resilience and determination that Steele showed in 2018. The day he announced that he had been selected to represent Australia at the Commonwealth Games Steele had a major crash, breaking six vertebrae in his back and neck. This was seven weeks out from the Commonwealth Games. I'll let Steele tell you the story, but oh my gosh, what an incredible comeback. Especially the fact that he walked away with a gold medal. Let's jump on in. Hi Steele, how are you today? Yeah, good time seeing yourself, Fiona. I am very well. I feel privileged to have you on. I'm very excited. <laughs> oh, it's, it's no stress. I'm glad to be on the show. Now, you're a cyclist. However, I found out last night that you may not have started in cycling. Can you tell us a little bit about your early sporting journey? Oh, well, where to begin? It, um, I started off in, in many sports. I was actually a swimmer first up. Really? School, I was competitive at that. And then I started running and joining the cross-country team and then I thought well why not do all three and jumped on the bike but yep. the bike leg actually came from the fact that I used to commute to school and then I jumped on board the the trike team in grade six mm-hmm. and my dad built one of the trikes and we went over to Maryborough and, and raced the 24-hour race over there and I sort of got hooked on that as well so I, I was just addicted to sport basically and then yeah, I started venturing into triathlons and that sort of faded out when I got really bad shin splints and I couldn't really run anymore. And then I was just working at a bike shop at the time and someone came in asking me to fill in at a corporate teams ride at Listerfield for Chase the Sun and I had a mountain bike and I thought, oh yeah, why not? I'll go over and have a bash around Listerfield and I ended up getting the second fastest lap time of the day in the corporate and it was the fastest outright time. So the guy that was in charge of the business, it was actually Talk Nutrition. He's like, we need to get you a partner and we need to race properly. So I ended up picking Luke Fetch to jump on board and we did pro male pairs and we won a fair few races. And then it just sort of grew from there. I 
jumped into mountain biking and I could never really show my abilities on the mountain bike because of course I end up in a, a road sprinter. So just for training for the mountain bike, you'd always be on the road. And I was racing Sandowns and Glenvales for fun. Yeah, I actually started going pretty well and, and winning a couple of them. So made the transition across to road in 2010 through a connection with Trail Mix, the bike shop that I was riding for at the time. And Snow's the guy that was looking after me at that shop. He got in contact with Genesis Wealth Advisors, which was the number one cycling team in Australia uh, at the time and still is. That's run by Andrew Christie Johnson. And yeah, they, one thing led from another with that team. And I just started absolutely smashing it and winning a whole heap of races. Went and did the NRS in 2011 and won a, a record amount of stages. And that just sort of catapulted things over to Europe. And then all of a sudden, I was a professional fully fled road cyclist. So, yeah, that's how it all sort of turned out. Oh, crazy. So you said you started off as a competitive swimmer. How many years did you do that? Uh, all through school. Uh, it kind of started well and truly before school, really. I used to go down to squads at, at a guy called Mr. McGarvin, who a lot of local people down on the peninsula used to swim with. I've met a lot of friends through that squad when we were really young that are yeah. just sort of, you know, that, that I still keep in contact with actually. And he was coaching competitive swimmers until he was about 95 before he passed away. So he was, he was a, a legend of the sport down our way. But yeah, just mainly through primary school and then through high school, I was always in the swim, swim squad and tried to swim as best as I could, but I was never really very good at swimming to tell you the truth. It was my weakest leg of the triathlon. Oh, wow. That's funny because that's where you started off. That's cool, yeah, though. It's because I started and I put my time towards it. And then, yeah, it took me a while to realise that I actually wasn't that good at it. So <laughs> I didn't realise that I was actually pretty good at sport, just not the sport that I had chosen. Yeah. So, yeah, changed it up a little bit when I jumped on the road. Yeah, that's crazy. And I guess because I was a swimmer. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy that you started off as a swimmer, then did a little bit of running, but then, so you trained with, the, was it Steve's squad? Yeah, yeah. So that's how I met Todd through Steve's. And yeah. I remember when Todd came along and he was an absolute weapon and he was probably only about 12. I'm <laughs> like, gee, this is going pro. <laughs> like, he was so strong. But I always picked Toddy for, um, for, for big things. <laughs> mm. He's got a lot of grit to him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, that showed when he did the 12-hour solo thing the other day. Yeah. Oh, crazy boy. <laughs> Ridiculous. So you made that transition. How long did you do in triathlons? Uh, I was in triathlons for all of high school. So I started in year seven and then mm -hmm. I finished up with that in um, 2000 and seven when which is my my first year after school when I was going and studying engineering at RMIT just sort of the shin splints were too much the training and the commuting and juggling everything was just too much and I just sort of just took a bit of a back step on it yeah I didn't do very much for about three months or so until yeah the talk owner came into the bike shop and asked me to jump on the team yeah, wow. And then you went pro very, not very quickly, but it happened quite quickly. Like there wasn't. Yeah, it was a sort huge... of a year and a half. And yeah, was, yeah. I was over 
in Europe. And it's just like, bam. <laughs> yeah. So how did you find that time in Europe? Uh, really good. Like it was a fantastic experience. Uh, wouldn't trade it for the world. I did so many adventures over there, so much travel. Uh, it really has changed my life in terms of what I do. I would have just been working a regular job back here and never really experienced that side of thing. And it's just sort of made me uh, so much more diverse in, in what I am capable of. And I can actually organize myself a little bit now, which is very handy. I mean, I still do rely on my girlfriend a lot. She's giving me dagger looks right now. So, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, it was a great experience to go over to Europe and I've, I've lived the lifestyle over there and yeah, wouldn't trade it in for anything. Oh, wow. So was there, other than the fact that someone asked you to be on that team, was there a specific moment you knew that cycling was for you? I would say more or less, I just, I just fell in love with it, just racing locally. So racing the Sandown and Glenvale Crits, just an hour of power with mates and it's just great fun. But the ability to take that and make it your career Mm -hmm. was an opportunity that that I, I couldn't pass up but probably the turning point for me was a tour of Gippsland in 2011 when I'd just done a, a month training camp with Andrew Christie Johnson for the Genesis squad and came back over here and I won five stages of that tour and all of a sudden I was sort of thinking this this is for me like I, I love doing this love getting that winning feeling and sticking the hands in the air and let's see how far we can take it. And all of a sudden I, I gave it full commitment. I, I finished up with work, packed my toolbox up and all of a sudden I was a, a professional road cyclist. That's incredible. In terms of the engineering that you were studying, did you finish that degree before you turned no, pro? I did that for a year and mm-hmm. it came the time to resubscribe to mm-hmm. like roll, sorry. And I was sort of, I was at home. I can't even remember what I was doing, but I can tell you right now it wasn't very important. I might have been watching TV. And then I was sort of looking at my watch and I'm like, I'm running a bit late for this. I, I better leave soon. And then all of a sudden I just, I didn't go. I'm like, hmm, I, I just missed the boat to re-enroll. And then the mm. next day I got a phone call from someone asking me to uh, take up the apprenticeship as a, a welder and a fabricator. And um, I'm like, well, I'm not doing uni this year. Yep, let's do it. <laughs> so all of a sudden, two days later, I was a full-time employee starting my apprenticeship. So I, I completed that pr- apprenticeship before I actually went across to Europe. So that was in 2008 that I mm-hmm. started that apprenticeship. And I was doing night school for my advanced welding courses already. And it was actually the teacher of that that suggested that I do the apprenticeship. And I'd already got a lot of credits towards my, my qualification. So the schooling side of things went by really fast. And then as soon as I was capable of being signed off, my boss was really good and he, he signed me off. And then um, it sort of gave me free reign to be able to do what I wanted to do. So cycling was, was a, a very time-consuming thing at the time. But yeah. he'd, if it was a nice day, he'd, he'd give me time off to either leave early or sometimes take the whole day off and I could go and ride in the Dandenongs and, and get fit. So he was a, a very lenient boss and 
And uh, that's really the reason why I was able to do what I did. Oh, wow. That's awesome. And it's pretty cool that you were able to finish your apprenticeship, have something ready behind you so you could then go chase your pro dreams in Europe as well. Yeah, yeah for sure. Because I always had that in the back of my mind. If, if it does all go pear-shaped, I have that backdrop that I've got that qualification. I can just come home and, and get back to work. Oh, that's so cool. And I know of a few, but is there any significant milestones, wins, losses or injuries along your journey that, you know, have helped shape <laughs> shape it? Too many of the latter on that one. <laughs> uh, not, not enough of the wins. <laughs> so I do have some favourite wins, of course, which uh-huh. would definitely be national championships, winning the criterium back-to-back was awesome and the second win out sprinting Caleb I was sort of in disbelief at the time I thought that he had set up or something to to let me take it Mm -hmm. I just I couldn't believe that I'd I'd out sprinted him yeah just I'd I'd learned a few tricks uh the week prior actually about aerodynamics I was in the Monash wind tunnel and yeah learned about my position you can actually see from that 2014 sprint I was using some of those tricks because I wasn't passing Caleb. And then all of a sudden, like I went into like a little tuck and got that extra little edge and just edged past him. So that was definitely probably my favorite win. Yeah. Winning that second grip. Then I made the tour down under stage in 2014. That was right up there as well because it's the first and only world tour race stage that I've won. And then, yeah, finishing that off, Com Games. That was Definitely a strong highlight as well. Yeah, so let's delve into the Com Games. Yep. So I did a little bit of research and you were racing Sandown the day that you found out that you were on the team. Is that right? Uh, The day that I announced it, yeah. Yeah. I was, I'd I'd announced it that morning that I was going to be in the team to represent Australia at the Commonwealth Games. And then... That night at Sandown, I had the, the major accident, which was the first of many big accidents. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd never broken anything before that crash, and I'd already wow. been pro for six years or seven years. Yeah, I broke six vertebrae in, in that training accident at the race, and mm-hmm. I'd never crashed at a local crit before. So that was very abnormal for me. I'm normally very vigilant, but... I think I was just, just looked down at my speedo for a, a split second, looked up because I, I heard a, a scream and we were all in the gutter. It was crosswinds that night. Yeah, next minute I uh, ran into the person in front of me uh, because one of the other grade uh, riders was coming back on the, mm-hmm. uh, the left of the road when the, the wind was blowing from the right, which means that everyone's on the left. Yeah, just there wasn't any room and I just... I didn't have my concentration on, on the road at that split second that I needed to. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I got punished for that. <laughs> so yeah, that, that was a, a nasty accident. And at that time, I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to go to the games, that's for sure. Let alone when I was lying in bed in the neck brace, if I was going to be able to ride or, or what was going to be the consequences of this. Because I had a little mini freak out because someone said that with the broken bones that I had, they have to wait to see if the inflammation will, as it develops, will dislodge the spinal cord. 
Oh no. Well, I can feel my toes right now, but who knows what's going to happen in like when the swelling comes. Yeah, that was a bit scary, but luckily nothing happened. And it was just a, one of the common kind of breaks. And um, mm-hmm. the more people I've talked to, I've found out a lot of people have had similar injury to this. And uh, luckily everything was in a line and I, I just had to wait and then let it sort of knit and repair a little bit. I got told that I had to have a crash just as significant as the first one to damage it more. Mm-hmm. So really it wasn't that unsafe. It was just the pain that was the only issue. I didn't have painkillers from when I left the hospital just so I could gauge how I was feeling and yeah. I wouldn't do anything stupid that way. Because mm-hmm. If I was on painkillers, I wouldn't respect the injury and I mm-hmm. probably would have been back to it as per normal. So I battled on through that and started training in the recumbent bike and got my legs going again and started getting back on top of things. And before I knew it, I was out on the bike. And I think four weeks later, I was back at Sandown and I managed to get a second place. So I was sort of back on track. So that was confidence boosting. Let's elaborate on how soon you got back on the recumbent bike. How long was it after being discharged from hospital? That was six days after that I was Oh my goodness. And yeah, it was, I got my mum to help me set it up in the, the yard. And then I just sort of laid down that with my neck brace on. And uh, then I jumped on Zwift for about two days and mm-hmm. I got over that really quickly. And then when I knew mum was out in the back paddock feeding the horses, I, um, I jumped on the mountain bike and escaped. And then dad caught me because he was just on his way home at that particular time. And I'm like, don't tell mum. <laughs> yeah, she, she just thought I was safe in the shed I couldn't actually turn to look back so I was listening for head checks mm-hmm. and the first time the first corner uh going down Dural Road onto Eremosa I uh just near the Muraduck call stores I wanted to look back to see where the cars were not realizing that I just needed to like listen instead mm-hmm. and as I tried to look back I actually rode into the ditch on the mountain yeah. bike luckily the oh, 29 wheels no. just absorbed it all and it was all good and I just rode out of the ditch and it was happy days but that could have been nasty <laughs> yeah you were just lucky that you didn't go the other way into traffic <laughs> uh, there was there was no traffic because it's you know those roads they're very quiet but I just wanted to look as a precaution as you always do but really mm-hmm. I should have stopped but then I, I made it to the peninsula link bike track and went out for my first proper ride oh so. wow yeah, that was, that was two weeks after the initial injury that I was, I escaped. <laughs> you escaped. You'd had enough yeah. and you decided you were hopping back on the bike. That's insane. Yeah. Were so, you in a lot of pain? A little bit. Not, mm-hmm. not a super amount though. I sort of put it on a scale of one to 10 as about four. Mm-hmm. And then if I twinged or something, it'd sort of it'd give me a, a shooting pain and then it would settle back down and then I, it was just uncomfortable it's like you know when you get a really bad headache and just that aching that mm-hmm. was coming from my back it was just aching but that sort of went away pretty soon that, that yeah. lasted about three weeks and then I was just sort of I was uh, uncomfortable in the brace and then I started taking that off more and more and then as soon as I was allowed that off because you have to have that on for four weeks that at that four-week mark, that was the first day that I raced at Glen at Sandown again. Oh, my gosh. Wow. And how soon after that was the Com Games? Seven weeks. And oh, my God. I, 
don't think I was, so it was seven weeks after the accident. So it was three weeks after that sound down rest. I didn't really think that it had hurt as much as it did. But when I did that sprint at Com Games, I think that put me back quite a few weeks again because yeah. I hadn't really sprinted in training at all coming up to it mm-hmm. because I knew that I'd have to really rip on my shoulders and pull on the bars and that really, really hurt my back again. So I was, I was pretty stiff for a couple of weeks after that as everything sort of settled down again. Mm-hmm. And then, um, yeah, I, was, I went off to Europe two days after Com Games. And then oh um, after that settled down, I, I was back into the racing and racing over in Belgium again. What a whirlwind of a year, really. Oh, yeah, because after uh, getting settled into Belgium, exactly three months after the first injury, I had another major accident over there and I broke two more vertebrae, scapula, a couple ribs. And oh, I think I did a grade one AC joint and I just didn't know at the time. Yeah, it was just a, another disastrous crash and it sort of ended my season early over in Europe and I'd packed up my apartment already sort of thinking that it might be like my last year I put it all in boxes so if I came back I could just you know move it to the new apartment if not I could just get it all shipped back and unfortunately three months after that second crash I had a third one where I fully ruptured my AC joint it was grade four so it goes out the back a little bit and flew back from China it was in China Flew back to get surgery in, in Melbourne and I ended up getting golden staff and I was in hospital for, I think, in and out for maybe six weeks and I had a Baxter bottle hooked up to a pick line for eight weeks where I had to have hospital in the home and I got four surgeries on that shoulder in the end to try and get that right and I was on antibiotics, some, some nasty ones for eight months. So oh that was God. the end of my career. So all those boxes, they, I just got them organized to be shipped home. So that was a, uh, a bit of a way to end the career. But yeah, I can say that I gave it my absolute best effort. And mm-hmm. I did live an amazing life over there. And now I'm just uh, on to new things now. Yeah. And like you got a gold medal at that comm game. So you went out on a pretty good high. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like really, that in my mind, that was kind of my last proper race. Yeah. Because I only did a few race days after that. So yeah, I feel like I, I went out on a win with that one. Uh, I actually, there was a few things going on before I got selected for that. And I went back to work at the summer of 2017 because I, I just wasn't motivated to keep on racing in the sport anymore. The, the too much stuff had gone wrong and I just wasn't getting to where I needed to be for my mm-hmm. expectations. And uh, it was my old director from Genesis, the one that got me on the road originally. He said, oh, come on, mate, just give it one more summer. Like there's a lot of guys that would be dreaming to be in your position that, that want to give it a good crack. And he said that he'd give me a race start at Harold Sun Tour, Tour Down Under. I'd be able to do nationals and Cadell's ride. And mm-hmm. And if I go well at them, I can be selected for Com Games. I said, all right, let's 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 give that a crack. And throughout that whole build-up, I went better than I had ever gone before. And then, yeah, I got selected. So it was, it all went to plan. Yeah. The, the crash. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think, like, what a recovery, like, firstly, like, that's insane, the comeback that you made so close to the com games and you still came out with a gold like 
I couldn't even I think we were I think we watched that race actually and and Toddy was like watching the TV and he's like I know Steel he rides the Morno bunch <laughs> <laughs> oh that's great I did have a lot of friends that were watching it and a few of them recorded their reactions when I was coming in those little clips they they honestly bring a tear to my eye just like mm. hearing everyone screaming as I'm coming down to that line and just the reactions of when I actually crossed first just more the story like the result is huge, but mm-hmm. just from, I think I gave everyone a bit of a fright, including myself, mm-hmm. when I hit the deck at Sandown and then just to, to bounce back and, and get that, it's like, well, one, I'm, I'm better and two, I got the result. So it was uh, such an amazing thing. And just, just those movies, they, yeah, they, they actually give me goosebumps when I watch them. Oh, yeah. Just, we had tears in our eyes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, awesome! <laughs> 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 you yeah, know, I didn't, I didn't know you back then, and but yeah, it was watching you and knowing that you oh, had. God, screaming so loud. <laughs> oh no, the cycling on was a common occurrence. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we've talked through a little bit of your journey. What are some of the benefits sport has provided you as an individual that's transferred over to other avenues of your life? Well, the lifestyle that I was able to live over there, it's sort of, it was really a gift. And Mm -hmm. for me, I know where I would have been and I wouldn't have seen what I saw Mm -hmm. without that opportunity. And I would have just, I would have been a, a, nothing against regular people, but I would have had a a massive mortgage of repayments on, I was about to buy a Ford Falcon Ute before I went over then I would have had my house and I would have just just lived normal, which there's nothing wrong with that. But just being able to do and see what I've seen, it's just all those memories um, and all the friends that I've made, like I wouldn't trade it in for anything. It was, it was such a great experience. And really there's no rush to, to be back here and, and have that mortgage and everything, which I've got now. So for anyone that's watching, if, if you're young and have that opportunity, grab it, go for it. It was really an amazing thing to be able to pursue sport. But how that's transpired into other aspects of my life, I guess just that friendship network and the contacts and connections that I've made through that. Mm-hmm. Just you're never you're never really lonely. You you've just always got someone to talk to. Whenever I, I ride these days, there's always people that yell out steal and, and, and give me a wave. So yeah, it's just it's it's given me a lot in terms of connections and, and friends. What it's taught me, though, I've grown up, I've developed, I've, I've learned to be social, just a, a lot of skills, including I was never a great public speaker and I'm still not, but I'm able to construct a sentence now. <laughs> so in terms of what I'm doing at my workplace at the moment, how I'm managing different things it just gives me more confidence and uh, more ability just through what I've had to do in cycling and also probably the biggest thing is discipline and resilience Uh in a professional sportsman is not easy you have to be dedicated and if you're not you just don't get the reward so being able to knuckle down and really work for something that you want is is something that 
that um, I, I've learned to, to be able to do. That's probably the main things that have, have come out of it. But yeah, probably my favourite thing is all the friends. Yeah, it's crazy how you say the social side because a lot of the guests have actually said that. It's that network okay. of people. Yeah. yeah. And like I know in myself, that's probably what kept me in my sport for so long is that network of friends. Yeah. And yeah, the confidence that having that network gives you to develop your, you know, your public speaking or the ability to socialize with people who aren't in your age group or it's crazy. When you're on the phone to a new client or something, you just, you're not nervous or scared. You just say what needs to be said and it just gives you more confidence in life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A hundred percent. Are you an introvert? Yes. Yeah. Same. (laughs) So like, I don't know. I like to hang out with all the extroverts, but I'm not one of them. I'll be yeah. the quiet guy in the corner. <laughs> More often than not, it depends. If I'm go-karting, like last night, I'm an extrovert. But yeah. Like when I'm in my element, but more often than not, I, I'm, yeah, definitely an introvert. <laughs> but it's cool that sport gave you that opportunity to come out of your shell a little bit and the confidence yeah. to be able to do that. I, I find yeah, that happen with me. I'd say it's the competitiveness. Whenever there's a competition involved, all of a sudden it's game on. <laughs> yeah, true, 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 true. So is there a lesson you've learned along the way that you'd share with your younger self or another cyclist, triathlete, swimmer, any, any other sporting person? I guess I put a lot of emphasis on trying to win. And mm-hmm. when I went over to Europe, it was not easy and they were few and far between and not in Europe, just in any professional avenue that people might be participating in. I'd say when you're goal setting and just in, in every, any life areas, I'd say control the controllables, which mm-hmm. is someone told me that. And I sort of thought about that. And what it means is even though you might set your target to winning and it might seem like, seem like a great idea and it gets you, the prize money and the the credit and everything that you need to progress um it doesn't get the best result out of yourself mm-hmm. if you go there to be your best then winning will come but if you put your best performance out on the day and you've done everything to get that best result so you've done everything right in terms of You've, you've done the training, you've, you've done the diet, you've done the sleeping, you've done the cross-training, the stretching and everything like that, or whatever it may be in your sport, that will get you to be at your 100%. And that's when you'll win. If you mm-hmm. just go and try and beat other people, you don't know what they've done. You can't control their performance. You can't control whether they attack or work as a team with, with other teams or collude or something like that. You just... You just have to do your best right. And it also stems out to if you get a flat tire, you can't pin that on your whole race result Mm -hmm. because it's out of your control. And a lot of people train up for one major event like Nationals or Warnie or something like that in Australia. And if they do get that flat tire and they're out of the race, it's, it's been a horrible season. Whereas if you set your goals at, at being your best, then you might have had a great ride before that or done some new power numbers and and it's not all, all a waste. So it's a different mindset, different way of looking at it. And I was definitely a glutton for wanting that result. And it sort of meant that when I was 
losing, so say I'd done 75 race days in the year, I'd probably lose 74 of them. Mm-hmm. And then you'd only win that one a year. This is when I was pro. It was very hard to win. It was easier to finish a pro race, but harder to win. Yeah. And then, yeah, I'd be down on myself, even though I was riding my best. So uh, just that different mindset might have changed where I am today. Yeah, wow. That mindset would have helped you a lot last year with uh, 2020, (laughs) the year of COVID. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, being an introvert was definitely good for me because I could just sort of walk into my my renovations on my house. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. And then you could save extra money for your mortgage. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But I, since I have a lot of friends over in Europe and everything, I was in contact with a lot of them and geez, it was not good. It was not good times. Um, mm. But now after what Australia has done, we're really the envy of the world, despite everyone kicking up a fuss at the time while we locked down and everything. It's, um, it's turned out for the better, hasn't it? Yeah. Oh, well, this is true Metro Melbourneian speaking. Like yeah. we're, we're okay, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, I reckon. <laughs> you mentioned the Melbourne to Warney. That got cancelled due to lockdown a few weeks ago yeah is it getting rescheduled soon it is so it's in nine weeks time so okay quite a good block of racing coming up for us we've got tour of brisbane which is just mm-hmm. a one-day classic around brisbane then we've got a uh, a criterium at sandown which there's a, a lot of prizes that have been put up then we've got melbourne to warnable then grafton to inverell so yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of local guys that will be gunning to try and do all four of them. And it's a good, nice little block just before the winter. So yeah, great to get amongst and try and get some more results. Oh, awesome. And we were speaking a little bit before and you said you did something for the ride for relief. Is there yeah. a project that you've used sport as a tool to develop the community? Um, yeah, it's, it's probably for the uh the charities like mental health i've mm-hmm. done a little bit of racing for knights of suburbia as well as the uh, mentis rise ride for relief uh for the peninsula hot springs that's something that i'm i'm particularly fond of because it, it has been such a, a difficult time throughout my career it's really in my mind it's 10 percent physical mm-hmm. in your planning and then 90 percent mental you really have to be in the right mindset to do what we do it's it's not easy and like I sort of sat on the bike and I've been riding along and I'm thinking why do I enjoy this so much why am I hurting myself so much to do this Mm -hmm. into physical pain and I've sort of I've come to the conclusion I don't actually like hurting myself I like the aftermath of hurting myself the fact that I made it through I survived Mm -hmm. I achieved that goal that I wanted to do and you know, that old saying, no pain, no gain. Yeah. You don't get the results without working hard for it. So, yeah, I'm really fond of those mental charities that are there to support people and especially the tough times through COVID and stuff. There's, there's a lot of people that have been struggling and a lot of businesses that have been going bankrupt through it. And it's it's a, a great charity that, that's there for to help people. Yeah, awesome. And I might have to find their their link. Maybe you can send it to me and I'll pop it in the show notes. Okay, perfect. People can then find information there as well if they they need it. Good. 
you're not racing professionally anymore. You're racing in a, like a, a national level in the NRS. Yeah. yeah, so I'm racing for the NRS now in with uh, TM Inform. So it's uh, TMX Inform. They are a Sandringham team that's yeah. got a lot of local young guys on board and they're absolute powerhouses. And we just went to nationals and really we cleaned up. We got a lot of great results. There's so much talent coming through the team. It's going to be a great team to be a part of and, and one to watch this year, I think. Oh, there's a secret out there now. <laughs> we know who to watch. Yeah, yeah. Well, I hope so because it's it's kind of funny though. The, the reason why I, I jumped on board this team was because it wasn't meant to be so stressful with training and being able to multitask with work and everything uh, because my old team, Genesis Wealth Advisors, is now called Bridgeland mm-hmm. and uh, they take things 100% professionally and and there's a lot of pressure on. But now our guys at Inform are going so well, I'm sort of, I, I need to start doing the same. I need to be really... <laughs> strict and professional because otherwise I can't help them get their goals yeah because I can't keep up with them to be in the area to say don't attack here like you know save yourself (laughs) yeah oh wow and so you've just mentioned like these young guys they they might be the future of the sport but where do you see the future of the sport being um they definitely are the future of the sport uh the future of the sport though I uh I think cycling is in need of a huge shakeup. At the top level, it's basically you're, you're waiting on people to gift you money is, is the team to mm-hmm. be able to afford to race as part of sponsors. And it's it's a whole lot of very generous uh, big corporations that are, are just putting up the money. But in terms of other sports, they use their TV rights and other advertising things and arena fees for entries and spectator mm-hmm. fees which cycling's free to subsidize the teams but the governing agency which is called the ASO um, that does the uh, Tour de France the Giro and the Vuelta they pocket all the money for their own business and they don't don't feed it back into cycling and oh. um, they've sort of got the monopoly on it though because no team is going to say that they're going to boycott the Tour de France because that's where they get all their uh, publicity from Mm -hmm. because they get to show their jersey at the Tour de France. It's the biggest race. So if they don't go, then it's bad for their sponsors. But back when my girlfriend was working for Orica, they did all their studies and everything. And the ASO had a revenue of 7.8 billion. And that didn't go back into the sport at all. And it's the number one watched TV event of the year, mm. like more so than the, um, the World Cup of soccer. So there's no reason why, say, even 200 million mm-hmm. out of 7.8 billion, if that went back to the, uh, the cycling teams, it would just revolutionize the sport. So something really needs to be done because all those pro teams could have feeder teams like Inform. Mm-hmm. It would be sort of like a, a development team to step up. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the day that that is, is possibly going to happen. I don't think it'll really change cycling as the sport, but it'll just make it far more accessible for all the juniors and everything that it is an expensive sport at the end of the day. Like these days, your, your general bike is between 10 to 15 grand. Mm-hmm. So it's the same as your car. Mm-hmm. 
and cycling crashes unfortunately happen <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> and so, you, then you need a new bike <laughs> yeah, exactly exactly like careers and bikes can be broken well okay so that money from those big big tours yeah needs to go into the team so then they can create feeder teams is that what we're yeah, what we're thinking that's what I, I think needs to be done and then it makes it more accessible for a lot more people yeah um, and, and if it's a, a bigger sport that's growing then it's better mm-hmm. and the more people that can do it the more like the more people that can benefit from it because it's it is an amazing sport i've got i don't know if you've yeah. seen my little pink mountain hybrid bike no i haven't I have a, you'll have to join the next bunchy with us. <laughs> oh, I had a little bit of a, a, a crash. I like, I just hit a rock and fell off yep. and I haven't really ridden it since, to be honest. Yep. Oh no. But uh, yeah, no, I'll have to get back on it and yeah, do maybe, maybe one day I can steal a, one of the boys road bikes and do a motor yep. bunch. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. It'll be great to see you out. Yeah. Well, Steele, thank you so, so much for joining me today. I really, really appreciate you coming on and sharing your journey. No problems. All right. Well, thank you very much for having me, Fiona. Thank you for listening to another episode of Beyond Sport with Fiona Stewart. If you liked this episode, please share it with someone that you think would also like it. If you want to find out more, you can find us at Beyond Sport with Fiona Stewart on both Facebook and Instagram. Until next time.